This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Adaryl Roberts, a program executive officer at the Defense Logistics Agency. Adaryl, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time. Hey, Jason. Pleasure to speak with you again. Today, we're talking about uh, several different things. First of all, we're going to get into cloud. Then we're going to talk about how you're paying for cloud or how you're figuring out how to pay for cloud. And then we'll talk a lot about some other topical areas and successes. But let's just start at the beginning. DLA has been on a journey, like every other agency, toward getting more applications, more systems in the cloud. Give us the latest update of that effort, and how's that journey look? DLA is on move to the cloud, like most agencies are, um, to maximize some technology and efficiencies we're looking for. And primarily for us, we're looking to transform our legacy systems that no longer serve the agency or our partners, our customers. And we really need to get rid of these once and for all based on some of the challenges we have with our manual processes, our disparate data, and just the aging infrastructure that comes with data center management that DLA has done for years. And so our DBS strategy as we are moving to the cloud, it's really centered around dissecting the current business models that we operate in within DLA and identifying the business problems or needs that could benefit from different technology within the cloud, like artificial intelligence, some data management methods and other technologies. So based on that, we've been very aggressive and very successful in moving to the cloud. We have 91% of our applications are in the cloud, either in the cloud as standalone systems, or we've transitioned some to software as a service models. About 6% of those are in SaaS models, and then about 85% we migrated as applications to the commercial cloud environment. And we're also still planning to migrate our tipper, our classified environment, um, that would be migrated to the cloud by the end of FY23 as well. And so in these cloud migrations, there's you need to have some focus. You need to have specific objectives. And we focus on three key areas. One, I already spoke about our effort to accelerate from legacy applications. But in doing so, we do realize some of our processes are unique and we have to maintain those capabilities. But in doing so, we're going to put that in a single DLA platform with a single sign-on capability. And so that's going to benefit the user, that's going to benefit our customers, so that as you're doing business with DLA, you only have to log into the platform once, and then you can conduct your business wherever you have to conduct that business in DLA. Today, that's not the case. If you have to order maps, if you have to order PPE, if you're ordering medical equipment, if you're looking for the status of orders as an external customer, there are various systems and logins you have to do in order to get that information or complete that transaction. And for our internal teammates, simple things like timekeeping, leave requests, training requires a lot of sign on, sign out, navigating through different pages. And so we need to make that a more seamless effort for our workforce and for our customers as we move forward. The other thing we're looking at is is also getting our data architecture in order. I'm sure you've heard, as most people that are going through digital business transformation, IT modernization, data is king. Data, you know, information and data moves before a transaction. And so our CIO, Dr. Duchek, has a heavy emphasis on the importance of data and, and data architecture. And so in order for us to fully leverage that strategic asset, 
we have to get our data architecture in order across our enterprise systems, along with our partners, in order to maximize any AI machine learning technologies and also other automations. And then critical to all these initiatives, you know, we have to keep in mind our mission is to support the warfighter and support whole of government for national disasters and pandemics. And so everything that we're doing in this cloud journey is to enhance our ability to support business processes and help them fully leverage emerging technology to create. All right. So a couple things to back up to back up there with. Let me start with, first of all, 91% of the apps in the cloud, 6% are in software as a service, and 85% of those are in commercial cloud platforms. When you say commercial cloud, are these like government-only clouds or are these truly commercial clouds, whether it's Azure, AWS, Google, or wherever? These are commercial clouds. They're federal DOD approved cloud versions, so no private sector companies are there. But these clouds are run by those private companies, Amazon, Azure, Google, et cetera, that we've moved into. So we're not commingled with private industry, but these data centers are ran by the commercial vendor. So, so it sounds like, a, as you, I think, as you put it, a government cloud that's run by the commercial center. So you're getting all those kind of benefits, but a little more secure than maybe in the commingle. Absolutely. There's a level of security required from a national security perspective, federally, and again, from DOD that we require for our systems that some of the commercial companies and providers don't um, perform on their systems. The other side of the coin here is 6% in SaaS. That's a great start probably, but I imagine you would like to get flip those numbers to have 85 software as a service and 6% not software as a service or some, some change, some ratio would be changed. Absolutely. Is, is that the longer term goal? It is. Part of what we do within the federal government, particularly here at DLA, is the acceptance of we'll never 100% be commercial and, and be commercially out of the box because of National Defense Act, other regulatory fiscal responsibilities we have as a federal entity that are required in our system. So we know we'll never be 100% commercial in terms of that use and able to use SaaS, but we are looking at for those things that we truly have to customize. How do we better leverage those low code, quick code type SaaS environments that we have? So we made a major investment there in a platform, which includes low code development so that where we have those unique government workflow, transactional type systems process areas, instead of having individual government created code, we can actually transition that code onto that platform and manage it from that SaaS environment. Our ERPs, uh, we have Oracle and SAP ERPs that we manage here at DLA. The goal is to move to those SaaS environments for those respective um, technologies as well. And we've done that for training and some of our other HR related systems where we've already been able to move to a SaaS environment. So, you know, digital business transformation for us isn't a project that has a start and end date. It's a continuous process improvement technology. So our goal is to make this part of our DNA at DLA to continuously look at ways to transform the business through the enablement of IT. And so the goal is SaaS for those environments, but also a recognition of where we can't leverage the SaaS environment. Let's minimize that footprint by leveraging Loco. I was going to ask you if that was your bumper sticker, our DNA at DLA, right? You can get that kind of roll <laughs> off your tongue a little bit. Yeah. For the, the 85% that have moved to the commercial cloud, was a lot of that lift and shift or was that a combination of some lift and shift for maybe 
some applications that were cloud ready, more modern, and some were refactored or modernized for those that couldn't be moved to the cloud easily. Can you break that down a little bit? A large majority of those were lift and shift. Some of the older applications, there was a lot of refactoring that had to be done for those. But a lot of our critical applications, we did a good job in terms of technology performance tuning to have it cloud ready just because of the nature of those systems. And now since we're in the cloud, now we're doing that evaluation of how can we leverage native cloud technology? How much of that technology from a risk perspective do we want to own ourselves versus having it in the cloud? But a large majority of that, 85% initially, was a lift and shift so that we can get some of the immediate cost savings benefits of being in the cloud and reinvest that to you know, how we can do some of that improvement or refactor items that we couldn't move to the cloud um, a lot sooner. You guys had a big success migrating the ERP system that you just mentioned to the cloud. Let's just quickly go over that effort. What were some of the big challenges? How'd you overcome them? And, and why does it matter? Yeah, that was a, a huge challenge. Uh, an organization like DLA where our ERP is integrated throughout our business process, whenever you move that major piece, which drives the processing of customer orders, the payment of vendors, and also receiving um, payment from our customers. That's a huge risk to the agency and its operations. And the one thing I'll say about our agency and the workforce, not just within the PEO or our CIO office, but this was an entire DLA workforce effort to do this. Why the technical lift and move to the cloud is technical, the impact, the testing, the support required all areas of DLA's business um, to participate in this effort. And, and we did this during a pandemic. So this was all virtual with people located across the United States, across the world, um, participating in, in this effort. And we were very aggressive. One of the things that we've highlighted as part of our digital business transformation is the speed of delivery. Oftentimes in government, our schedules, our budget process doesn't allow us to really take advantage of technology before technology moves to its next version. And so part of this effort was to be efficient, but not cut corners. And so originally uh, we scheduled a two-year effort for this cloud migration for the ERP. And through everyone's hard work and strong senior leadership at all levels within DLA, we actually completed it in 16 months ahead of schedule. And we really looked at this in three phases. We looked at, okay, how do you move some of the less critical components of our ERP? Then we move the ECC, which if you know SAP and, and, and Oracle, that's the brains of the operation of the, of the ERP. And then for us, we actually have our enterprise data warehouse and our analytics tools are part of the architecture of our ERP. And so that was our phase three move. And so we did that in three phases. We had redundancy testing. We did what we call mock releases for each phase. We had three steps within each mock release where we took the application down um, over a weekend and actually went through the steps of doing the transition to the cloud, did some lessons learned. And when I say a team effort, I mean, the vendors, SAP, the contractors, everybody was on these calls all hours of the day and night and morning throughout the weekend that there were some long times and it wasn't perfect. We had some hiccups and, and some issues where 
we, we actually delayed our go live from December of last year to February of this year, because as we we're going through the releases, we found some issues and we found it was prudent to do more testing. So we had less issues with the day-to-day -day operations that DLA supports when we did go live. And we completed that in February of this year with some bugs, some issues, but nothing that affected the daily operations or the support to the warfighter um, as we work through that. And so as we've completed the move to the cloud, significant milestone, but not, not the goal. You know, as I mentioned earlier, getting to the cloud allows us to unlock the possibilities of other technologies that are within the cloud, particularly with our SAP migration, the potential to move to their software as a service as for HANA instance. And so that's what we're looking at now is how do we go through business transformation, business process re-engineering, and looking at our internal processes based upon where the commercial software is today and how we can reinvent the way we do business at DLA to take advantage of that and reduce some of the um, customization that we have within our um, architecture, which makes it one, easier from a technical maintenance perspective, but then it will also make it easy from the business, from a training perspective, because now we can leverage more commercial training um, than having specialized training for our systems. 16 months instead of two years. So that's about uh, eight months ahead of schedule. That's impressive. Yeah. Now I have to ask, Daryl, under budget or at budget at least? Yeah, we, we were about at budget. I'd say we were a little under. I will say our DBX effort overall, we really are prioritizing transformation over some things that um, you would normally do on a legacy system. So from a contract perspective, of course, we shifted dollars and moved things around, but based on our timeline and finishing early, we didn't have to expend a budget above what we had allocated. Daryl, on that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. My guest today is Daryl Roberts, the Program Executive Officer for the Defense Logistics Agency. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Daryl Roberts, the Program Executive Officer for the Defense Logistics Agency. You mentioned that your, your longer-term goal is not just moving the ERP to the cloud, but really taking advantage of software as a service. Is that the next project? You just got done with this big lift, this major change, and now, okay, over the next two years or however long it's going to be, is that's the next place you want to go as software as a service? It is. That, that's, that's our ultimate goal. Um, but we know to get there, we have to do some internal reflection on, on how we do business as a whole. Um, and it, it's also some reflection for us from an IT management perspective of we have to manage differently. Um, I think... When we look at our investments, I said earlier, we have the ERP as our major investment as our hub of our business operations, but then we've also invested in a platform, which also has our low code ability. We have our chat bots, our customer relationship module that we've transitioned from a DLA specific system, leveraging more of the service now technology with chat bots and interactions to allow customers the ability to actually self-manage, right? In your personal life, you can go to a website, check the status of an order when it's going to be delivered. You know, you get notifications that, you know, your order's on the way. We're trying to move to that same type of model gradually with some of this um, technology within this platform so that customers aren't waiting on a phone to talk to a human to say, 
hey, when are my repair parts going to be delivered at this base? As a customer, you, you really need to be able to know that real time so that if there's any issues with that delivery date, now you can reach out and have a discussion about the problem as opposed to just trying to get a status update. And so that business process re-engineering is very key to our ability to be able to leverage software as a service because you want to reduce the amount of customization. But if we do have to customize, we want to leverage all the technologies um, that we have in the cloud. So that ServiceNow platform that we have that's cloud-based is vital. We have a robotics process automation program where we utilize bots to automate some routine day-to-day processes so that we can free up the workforce for more complex issues. How can we better expand that use of that capability through business process re-engineering? So our, our strategy is to leverage the right technology at the right time within the cloud and understanding the benefits and how integrated now ERPs can be with other technology. All right. Well, that's a win. Even if you come in at budget or, or just a little bit below, that's always a win because both ahead of schedule and, and at or below budget is, is a good win. Daryl, I want to shift just a little bit because there's a lot to talk to about the cloud and, and a lot of your successes. When agencies moved to the cloud, or if you, as you probably remember, when it was cloud first, it was all about cheaper, better, faster. And then we moved to cloud smart from a government perspective and this idea of how do we measure the benefits of cloud? Because cost is not always uh, the issue. Sometimes it's going to cost more, but you're going to cost more because you're going to get better, more services. So how is DLA m- measuring the benefits of cloud? Can you talk to me with the cost, the agility, the flexibility, all those factors, those metrics that you look into? I think you hit on a, a lot of it, but I, I think there's the traditional measurement of IT business value that we use for the cloud. So you look at the net present value, your, your return on investment of being in the cloud versus where you were, what's the payback period for that return, and then the economic value added and the total cost of ownership. Those are all things that we traditionally look at in terms of IT business value um, that you monitor. And so the pay-as-you-go cloud fundamental strategy it changes that because initially there's not that ramp up, right? When you stand up a data center and you buy hardware and things of that nature, you have that foundational cost as your baseline. And so it's been an adjustment to not have to account for that cost and just trying to measure it because you're literally paying as you go. If you use the capacity, you pay for it. If you use less capacity, money comes back to you. And so that's different for the government because typically once a check goes out, you don't get a refund check back in saying, thank you for your money, but here, here we don't need it. So that's different from a government perspective to actually manage the pay-as-you-go model within the cloud so that we are being efficient and we are making adjustments to the levers as we need to, right? There may be times where we actually need to increase capacity for some mission reason um, for a short period of time. We need to be able to see that once we're able to use some AI machine learning to help anticipate that and then make that decision. And then when it's time to pull that lever back, have the ability to pull it back uh, from a management perspective. But we're, we're working on that. And then as, as you move into the, the managed services, the SaaS, just understanding their model and as a customer, how do you monitor and, and, and ensure that you're getting the value based upon their billing and, and support methodology and that you're paying your fair share and not someone else's share as well. 
that that's a little different for us from having our own data centers. So it's been a learning process for us here at DLA to, to operate in that capacity, but we're, we're getting better every day. And we also, we know we're not in this journey alone. So we work with others and, and ask questions and get lessons learned on how to do it better. The pay-as-you-go model is very interesting because one of the challenges is, is understanding what you're buying. What's the conversations like internally for DLA? As you say, okay, we're going to take system X and put it in the cloud. What kind of work do you do to understand what the system's needs are? What, are you using any sort of framework to measure that, that cost, that, that benefit? Help me understand, maybe break it down one level further about the kind of the, the process that DLA uses. So we have our what we call our DLNH office within the CIO shop. And, and they have a model which they leverage. And we also leverage a lot of the cloud providers models. You know, a lot of the cloud provider models now actually have courses and, and tools that help you measure based upon your system performance needs, things of that nature, what the expected infrastructure would need to be for that cloud. But we, we do do a system by, by system evaluation based upon the response times, the coop strategy required if the system fails, do we need a a rapid, what we call hot, hot, just one system goes down, the next site goes up, or can we deal with some latency in terms of the system being down and, and bringing the system back up? And I think that component has, be, one, become a lot more efficient. We went from days or you know weeks in some cases to bring up our larger systems to hours, you know, within 24 hours of fully operational system. And the cost didn't increase for that, right? In some cases, we actually had cost savings because we're in that cloud environment. So DLNH actually spends a lot of time working with each of our program offices, our program managers to leverage their expertise in terms of cloud hosting um, strategies and, and, and building practices to make sure we're getting value with each of our cloud contracts. Have you been surprised by anything from in, in, the, in this move to the cloud over the last couple of years? As we talked about lower cost, better uh, services are, are kind of the natural things. But as you kind of dug into the metrics, if you looked at your systems more closely, has have you been, oh, I didn't realize we were doing it that or wow, that was a big hole that we fixed or, or that we plugged or or that we money was going out the door in a weird way that maybe didn't need to go that way. Anything stand out to you? I wouldn't say from a cost perspective, I think early on, like others, you know, this huge windfall of cash from migrating to the cloud, there's some savings, but memory is cost what memory costs, storage costs what storage costs, capacity is capacity, right? So whatever the amount of data and and the needs of the system, whether you're in the cloud or a data center, those costs didn't change much. So I think that was one that we realized early, but I think the biggest thing we we found is really just some of the configuration and the architecture that we were doing within our data centers and, and, and BOD owned facilities, how rapidly within that commercial cloud environment, those technology updates come. That's probably been the biggest challenge we've seen so far is, hey, how do we get up to the standard <laughs> that is in this new cloud environment based upon where we were? because it's a, it's a lot faster from a vendor's perspective because they're contracted, because they're trying to keep their certifications. I've just seen industry respond a lot faster in terms of having those version updates available. Um, and so it's a challenge for us 
you know, to do those updates as regularly as we need to, because you don't want to affect business operations. And anytime you take a system down um, at DLA, there's something going on at the world at all times that we're supporting. And so we have to be very mindful when we take the system down, how long we take it down for. And that's been the biggest challenge for us within this cloud environment is keeping up with those frequent version updates. Daryl, on that note, let's take a quick break. We come back, we can continue our conversation. My guest today is Daryl Roberts, the Program Executive Officer for the Defense Logistics Agency. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. For news on the federal pay raise. To learn how other agencies handle IT modernization. To see how Congress funds my agency. For changes to my TRICARE benefits. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Daryl Roberts, the Program Executive Officer for the Defense Logistics Agency. You mentioned about your partners. You mentioned about you know kind of bringing people together. I want to go talk about a different maybe set of partners, the C-suite, when your office works with the CFO or the Chief Information Security Officer or whomever or HR or whomever. How are you helping to manage costs, ensuring there's value in those cloud investments? What are those conversations like? Do you have some sort of governance board or governance process? And how does the data play into those decisions? We have a very good governance process at DLA with our with our C-suite executives. And because of the importance of digital business transformation, we actually added two councils to that governance. And so the three primary committees that we use it's our Acquisition Enterprise Innovation Council, our AEIC, and that's focused on modernization of DLA's acquisition capabilities. And then we have our Enterprise Operation Planning Council, which helps us balance warfighter needs and supply chain constraints. And we also, and that includes discussions about technology and, and capability needs that our business areas require. And then specifically our involvement from a CIOPO perspective that we share is the Digital Business Transformation Board. And that's where we dig in a little deeper on those specific initiatives related to DBX. And it's what's the status, how many initiatives do we have, what's our priority for some of these enhancements or developments. And as a result of these boards that we have, we feed this information up to our vice director chairs our AG board. That's all our executives, senior executives in DLA. And ultimately we outbrief the director at the executive board level for final concurrence. And so it's a very robust, very engaged governance process at DLA in order for us to make this happen. Because the one thing that we've recognized and acknowledge at DLA when you're doing something this big and this transformative that impacts not just everyone in DLA, but it ultimately impacts our customers. You have to have strong leadership. Um, anything within cultural change, um, you know, leadership has to push it and support it and make it important every day in order for the workforce to. And um, we have that at DLA. These governance boards meet monthly, at least one week every month, one of these boards is meeting to discuss the, the relevant priorities and whether or not there's a need for joint boards, having a discussion at the AG with the vice director, or does it need to be elevated to the director? But it's been very beneficial for us throughout this journey to have this board, just given the impact 
of, of these changes to make sure that the workforce is getting the right information at the right time. Well, data is the lifeblood of any discussion. We know that. So how much of that discussion goes around the benefits of cloud, the return on investment, how you're explaining if we move this system X to this cloud, this is what we can expect. Is, is that the, the depth of the conversation or is it more at a higher level about what's the mission areas, what's the business process reengineering or both? I say we get depth, but I, I, I will say the one thing we've tried to focus on as we discuss some of these topics are demystifying the technology part of it. You know, if you work in accounting, if you're a logistician or, or you do some other business function, you know, sometimes technical talk, which is interesting to us, sometimes you start hearing a Charlie Brown you know, teacher and, and, and we lose people and we lose interest. And so we have these discussions in depth, but we've really tried to demystify the language um, so that it's meaningful in these discussions to the functional users. So we really try to center around the business value of why we're making these changes and what it's going to enable the business to potentially do in these conversations. And then it, it is database. And so um, we have budget discussions in there as well. So we'll talk about the cost of transition, the co total cost of ownership, what's that mean to DLA's expenses and bottom line um, from a budget review process, because IT is expensive. That's just known out there. But we want people to look at IT more than just a cost or, or you know, something that is taking a lot of, of budget, but it's actually a tool in order for the business to transform itself. So that's why we really call it business transformation and not IT modernization, because the IT investments that we're doing actually enable the business to just continuously transform itself to be more efficient. And, and that's how we like to frame the discussions when we have these boards that meet regularly. And I think that's really the key to getting that buy-in from those non-tech people. Because, right, a CFO may look at you and go, okay, Daryl, how much money do you want this time? And it's, no, no, it's not about how much money I want. It's what's the money mean to help you automate, use a robotics tool to, Absolutely. so you don't have to put manual on. So, so I think that's the key. And underneath that, again, is that something like a technology business management framework or other frameworks to, to kind of measure and show the value of cloud services? Is that something that you all are using? We're very early in our technology business management framework, but we do, we are leveraging other frameworks, other technology to, to help us to bring that value and show that value to them. And so for us, we're, we, we looked at our platform capability that we've invested in and they have what you call the technology business module, I, um, which is similar. And what that's allowing us to do is we're bringing together not just some of the budget information, but how is it showing value throughout? And so we're going from idea to demand management, to approval, to projects being stood up based upon our capability taxonomy and linked to the strategic plan that DLA has so that everyone will be able to see the risk associated with each project. What's the cost? Are we on schedule? Once the schedule changes, if we've increased the budget, you'll be able to see where that increase occurred. And so from that perspective with DLA, we'll be able to actually see the value as well as the cost of what we're doing. And then this will help inform us as we do other projects from lessons learned to say, hey, are there things 
from a process perspective that we did with project X that we can now, you know, learn from so that as we're standing up the next project, we can plan for those activities. Because whenever you're doing agile, right? And that's what we're doing with all of our with all of our DBX is agile. You know, before you'd have this great plan with waterfall, it's a five-year plan, nothing's gonna go wrong. You're gonna be on schedule, you're gonna be on budget. And by the end of year one, you're off schedule, you need more money and the requirements changed. And so with agile, you move from that to where you're having a constant conversation with the, with the capability owner. You're showing a little bit, you're delivering a little bit, you're testing a little bit. And when you take that concept on some of the unknowns that you wouldn't know until year three, four or five, you're now learning as part of year one. And so you have to make that adjustment to that project plan, to that, to that budget that you expect to spend. And so this tool is going to help us bring all that together so that, you know, near real time, our executives, our workforce that's driving these changes, um, they'll be able to see how DLA is progressing um, throughout this journey. We've talked about kind of the planning process. You went through your governance boards. You talked about some of the, the, the capability taxonomy linked back to your strategic plan, which I think is really important. All right, you got this program up, like the ERP program. I'm going to tag you back to those 85% of your apps in the cloud and, and all the progress you're doing there. Okay, now you have to manage that cloud spend. You mentioned that earlier, the first time you've been able to do that. What's that process look like? How do you ensure that you're not spending too much or you have a ton left over? I mean, you know, government kind of has to break even, right? I mean, that's that's the hard goal that you have every year is, is to guesstimate how much you cloud, how much cloud <laughs> you'll need. What's that cloud management oversight look like? How are you doing that? Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> um, I think we're doing okay. You can always improve. Um, but I think one of the keys that we've had is, you know, there's a multitude of cloud providers out there. And I think, you know, while we have a multi-cloud strategy, um, we're not trying to put something in every cloud, right? And so, like most things, if you have certain capacity in cloud environments, you know, you may be able to take advantage of discounts, rebates, other incentives based upon um, the bandwidth that you're using for your cloud instances. So we're not, our strategy isn't to, hey, let's put something in every cloud and see what happens. We, we have a very focused cloud strategy. And then the other thing, once you're in the cloud, making sure that you're monitoring your spend. So we have procedures in place to monitor our cloud utilization, the server usage, storage usage, so that as we get used to those higher limits of what we plan to spend, we know prior to being um, overcharged on that account. And then the other thing we're doing is we talked about storage capacity earlier. And so our records management strategy, how we're archiving, purging, and ultimately deleting data out of the out of these systems and applications is going to be key. At DLA, we're dealing with petabytes of data. And so when you're dealing with that large set of data, your records management strategy is very important to help control those cloud costs. Um, so you're not paying for storage for data that's not being utilized or is not important um, to the agency's mission. So a combination of those of those factors are what we're using to really provide oversight and manage our, our cloud spend. 
You mentioned you have a process to monitor storage or server usage. Is it a dashboard? It goes red if it goes too high, if it goes green, if it looks good, if it's yellow, or, or how do you use it? And then what are some of those metrics that you have limits? Like, okay, for this cloud instance, it should never go above, and I'm making this up, of course, 10. And if it gets to nine, you get a you get an alert. Help me understand that a little bit more too. Yeah, so it's not dashboard yet. We'll get there. <laughs> but we are monitoring it. And it's different for every application, right? And so some of this is based upon the business use of the application. Um, some of our larger applications like our ERP internal and then our external ERP we manage for fourth estate. And then we manage wide area workflow, which pays all the bills um, for contractors in the Department of Defense. And so those systems have a very high usage rate. There's a high content of data. And so you have to evaluate each system based upon, hey, what's the anticipated growth based on analysis of the program offices that the data should grow each year? And then based on the records management rules, how much data should we anticipate having to delete um, each year? And when we say delete, truly delete. You know, previously when the government said delete, it really meant archive and put it on tape somewhere. But, you know, strong records management program you know, based upon those those dates, you truly delete the data. And so it's different for each system um, and they and the our, our cloud host hosting um, division, they monitor that and work with the programs so that, you know, if we're getting close to those limits, we, we say, hey, have we deleted all the data that we should have deleted? If we have, okay, what has possibly spiked this growth? Because um, sometimes it's, growth that may be anticipated, right? I think with the COVID um, pandemic, a lot of our business picked up in terms of some transactions for PP and other things. So, um, you know, there were some spikes in some of the systems in terms of the volume of data and throughput um, based on some of the additional mission that DLA um, took on. And so we manage that with the cloud provider with our hosting office um, to plan that out. So um, all Ultimately, we'll, we'll have that on a dashboard um, so that everyone will get pinged just like we do with system outages and, and other key events. Um, but right now, it's a lot of communication um, between our, our cloud hosting office and the program offices. All right. Maybe the next time we talk, you'll have that dashboard up and ready to go, at least for a few of the systems and some <laughs> pilot phase or something to get you going. One of the things we've talked about was the business process reengineering piece and, and how that's a key to moving more to the cloud and really taking more advantage of the cloud. The other side of that is this idea of using cloud migration as a quote unquote competitive advantage to drive decisions so money can be driven to invest in other modernization or mission priorities. And you mentioned that a little bit, but maybe if you could take the next step of the discussion and, and say, How's the data that you're pulling from understanding your spend in the cloud, understanding where your priorities are in the cloud, helping you kind of drive those broader decisions? The governance boards, the all these pieces that you're putting in place, the end goal is not obviously just to move to the cloud. The end goal, of course, is to drive mission improvements and, and, and efficiencies and effectivenesses and all those good words. So what is the process by which you are I'll use again, I'll go back to the competitive advantage piece. How, how are you ensuring you are getting that competitive advantage through the move to the cloud? Part of us ensuring we have a competitive advantage is leveraging a, a multi-cloud strategy. And so we promote competition 
but we also want to ensure we have reliability um, as we go into this cloud strategy. So we have implemented a multi-cloud strategy and that strategy enables us to take advantage to ensure we don't have data loss. Um, we don't want to, we want to avoid vendor lock-in. That's, you know, with our mission, that's very critical that we have that flexibility. Where we have redundancy, we want to reduce that redundancy. And through competition, you know, we're getting price competitive services. When you do sole source and things of that nature, once you're in year three to five, after year five, you tend to see the price just skyrocket because the assumption is, hey, the government's locked in, they're not going to move anywhere. So the price is going to be what the price is. And so ultimately, we, we're all about competition when we look at our cloud, but we also have a multi-cloud strategy based upon the needs of our individual systems, realizing that several cloud providers can meet our need. And then it's also making sure that as we do that cloud um, implementation strategy is scalable. We, we want to gain efficiencies. The tendency of the government in the past is to buy more than you need. So just in case you need it, it's there. And you know, oftentimes we never used it. We didn't want to do that with our cloud strategy. So leveraging how the cloud is built, how you can scale the cloud, that's part of our strategy to make sure that we're using what we need and not paying for more than than actually being used. And that requiring us to be, you know, elastic in the way we do our business processes. It, it requires our, I think the ability that the cloud has given us to have our system integrators directly touch the application is a benefit that allows us to be, to have that, elect, take advantage of that elasticity of the commercial cloud architecture. DLA, we actually have government developers for our ERP systems. And so that's an advantage for us and also a, a good training and recruitment model because our government developers now are working in commercial cloud technology and, and being able to have that hands-on experience um, that we didn't often have when we were hosted um, in DOD facilities. And so I think our competitive advantage is in our, our cloud strategy itself, thinking the way that we're positioning our workforce to leverage the flexibility the cloud provides us, but also in just making sure that as we invest in that scalable solution, we're monitoring our, our data, our information flow so that we scale correctly at the right times. Daryl, we could probably talk a lot longer, but we are out of time for today. So I will have you back on the show sooner because there's so much going on at DLA and so many, so much good efforts and, and successes. But let me thank my guest. Daryl Roberts is the program executive officer at the Defense Logistics Agency. Daryl, always a pleasure to have you on. No, thanks, Jason. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Um, love everything we're doing here. Excited about it. So, um, looking forward to enlightening you again about some of the great things the workforce is doing here. All right, and I look forward to talking to you again as well. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life. Learn more at capella.edu.